Okay. You've seen the commercial on TV where it, it's, uh, it's about 3D TV, and this guy's at this aquarium, and he says, have you ever thought about what it would be like to live life in a different dimension? Remember that, that, that advertisement? And he pushes on, he, he draws a square in this aquarium, and then he pushes it in, and it pops out this little cube this, of, of the water, and the fish are in there, and he takes it home. Remember this commercial? And he puts the, this cube of this aquarium with fish swimming in it, he puts it in his TV and pushes it in the TV. Then he sits on the couch. It's all about 3D television. And he's sitting on the couch, and they, they put their glasses on, and, and then the fish come out of the, out of the screen like 3D, you know, as they're watching. But the question was this. Have you ever thought what it would be like to live life in a different dimension? And we do. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Lord, thank you so much for the reality of a different dimension. Thank you for the clues you put in the scripture that we might uncover buried treasure, things hidden in the scripture for your children to eat and drink. Things hidden from the wise and prudent but revealed to babes. Parables that speak nothing to those who don't know you but speak volumes to those who do. And this is your way, for so it seemed good in thy sight, Lord, to hide these things from those who think they can save themselves and reveal yourself to those who know they cannot. You open the eyes of the blind and you give strength to the weak. You've chosen the foolish to confound the wise. This is your way. So it seemed good in your sight, Father. To give these things to the children. Thank you, Lord. Help us see and hear now, Lord, this dimension that you've brought us into, this realm, this other kingdom. Help us to see that we do live in a different dimension on earth right now in the spirit. For we have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness on this earth into the kingdom of the beloved Son. As you said, the kingdom of heaven does not come like men think. It shall be within you. In that day, on the day that I'm raised from the dead, you will know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And I am in you. And you are in me. For your life is now hidden with Christ in sight of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Image of the invisible God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
there's a, we don't have time to turn to the scriptures, but what's that? Okay, great. Genesis, Genesis 28 is in, in the area of this story of Jacob. I just want to, uh, if you want to take a look at that sometime and read these verses, I think it'll be a real blessing to you. But I want to just share some thoughts about how God has, he's hidden things uh, in the scriptures for us to uncover. It's the most exciting thing in the world to see these things um, because they were written for us to uncover that we might be built up in the faith and see the reality of what, who Christ is and what he's done. Um, Hebrews says that Moses was a, a faithful servant. Hebrews says Moses was a faithful servant and he did those things which God ordered him to do or told him to do in terms of how to build the temple and how to do everything in detail for a testimony, for a testimony, hey Daryl, for a testimony of those things that would be spoken later. Remember that verse in Hebrews? Moses, Moses did all this so that what he did would be a testimony of those things that would be spoken later. Well, the later has, is now. The later was um, when the Lord was raised from the dead when they began to proclaim the kingdom of heaven back in the book of Acts and has continued until now. The later is, is, is here in every generation, this revelation of Christ and his finished work hidden in the scripture. Um, him and Jesus himself, remember on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples were walking and they were, you know, puzzled by what had happened in Jerusalem. You know, Jesus crucified and buried and they don't know what's going to happen. And then Jesus comes up next to them and they don't recognize it, recognize him as Jesus himself. And so they began to talk about what's happened, what just happened in Jerusalem. And the scripture says, this is the last chapter of Luke, gospel of Luke, last chapter. And Jesus says, um, he begins to ask them things and begin to talk about the scriptures and, this, and he began to open their understanding, the scripture says, of the scriptures, what the scriptures are really saying. And saints, um, he began to reveal himself in the scriptures, himself. Um, this is like uh, the reason why we miss understanding the new covenant in so many circles, in so many areas, in the, in the church, in the world. The reason we miss what the new covenant is all about is because we are not Christ central in our proclamation and our understanding of the new covenant. Jesus himself is everything. He fulfilled everything. He is center. He is everything. If you see the Lord as merely giving righteousness or giving peace or giving us truth, or showing us a new way, then we've missed it. But if you see Jesus himself as the way, as the truth, as our righteousness, as our peace, because of union with him, because you have literally been moved from one dimension to another dimension in union with the risen Christ, he our head, we his body, you begin to see that, for he himself is our peace, Ephesians says. See, when you, when you begin to think like that, that's the main work, I believe, of the Holy Spirit in the renewing our minds is to show us this, as he is, so are we. Religion can touch, can't touch it. It's not flesh. It's not uh, churchy in the terms of a bad sense of that word. It's not, 
it, it's just, it's, this is supernatural. It's a, it's a revelation of a union with the Christ himself, the, the very life of God in us and we in him. So, we, and when you see those things, you talk differently. You say things differently. You, say, you talk about being in him and him in us. And you, you think differently in, in terms of when you, live our, when you live your life on this earth, you are aware, increasingly aware, that he is inside of me. I mean, think about how many times you actually think those thoughts. He is literally inside of me. See, we, 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 we are thinking like that more and more, but... Even now, after seeing and learning all we've learned, how many times do you really think, this is, I, I can't get over this. He's really inside of me. You see what I'm saying? Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he who is in me than he was in the world. See, all these scriptures are not just scriptures, not just, you know, this is Awesome. So the awareness, the growing awareness of him being in me and I in him will change the way we think, the way we talk, our words, um, and, and it's life and peace. This is what it means. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. This is, these are the things of the spirit, the mindset on the things of the spirit, life and peace. The mindset on the flesh is death, the scripture says in Romans 8, because the flesh mindset, the mindset on the flesh, or the flesh mindset, is a mindset of separation from God. It is God is out there, and I'm down here. It is a mindset of, uh, of I'm still of this earth. Uh, I've got to uh, live my life on this earth. I was born here. I've got to be practical about this thing. I can't be too spiritually good where I'm no, I mean, too spiritually minded to be any earthly good, right? That's what they say. If I'm too spiritually minded, I won't be any earthly good. To be fleshly minded or to have a fleshly mindset is to actually to, part of that fleshly mindset is to keep looking for sin in the flesh so we can improve. Paul says, no good thing dwells in my flesh. No good thing. Um, we, we don't see uh, clearly in the church today that you have a new heart in Christ. We quote an old scripture from Jeremiah before Christ. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Yeah, that was, that was true before I was born of the Spirit. That was before I was given a new heart, before the prophet's prophecy was fulfilled in Christ. Behold, the day is coming when I'll wash you with pure water and I will put a new spirit within you and a new heart within you, says the Lord circumcision of the body to to raise us from the dead to give us a new heart see there's not a single scripture in the new testament that says for the believer search your heart to see if there's any evil way in your heart it's not there it's old covenant they didn't have a new heart in the old covenant the Holy Spirit was not yet given in a redemptive way, John says. It was not possible for the Spirit to be given in a redemptive way, in a regenerate, to bring regeneration, because Christ was not yet glorified. So everyone who died in faith prior to Christ descended to Sheol, awaiting the, the work of Christ on the earth. The blood had to be shed. 
And that's why he descended to proclaim his work in Sheol. And in an instant, very similar to the rapture, in, the, in a moment, in the twinkling, twinkling of an eye, we shall be transformed when he comes the second time. And very similar to that, it happened in Sheol. In a moment, in an instant, those who died in faith, Abraham's bosom heard that what he had accomplished and believed, proclaimed, and in an instant, they were regenerated because now it could happen because he must have the preeminence in all things. He must be the firstborn from the dead. He must be the first one, not anyone before him. So he then took captivity captive and took them out of Sheol and brought them to the top of the witnesses, the cloud of witnesses that say, he's the one. Isn't that awesome? And that's what we have now. We have this, this, this new heart. Um, we don't search our heart for any evil way anymore because you have no evil in your heart. It's impossible. It's impossible. John says the seed of God abides within the new creation and it is impossible for them to sin. The new man never sins. John says the seed of God abides within the new creation and it is impossible they cannot sin. Isn't that awesome? The scripture says that God, the day would come when I would circumcise your heart and cause you to love the Lord your God. And that's what happened. When he, when he brought us through death and judgment and judged us for our wicked heart, judged us for our evil heart through Christ on the cross, for he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And when he brought us through he cut away the, the flesh. He, he separated us from our sin. He raised up a new creation on the inside. And the scripture says the prophecy is sure that the day would come when he would circumcise our heart to cause us to love the Lord our God with all our heart because now we are partakers of a divine nature. And the divine nature loves God and loves others in fulfillment of the greatest commandment. But it's not that we first loved him. He first loved us. For while we were yet enemies with a wicked heart, he gave himself for us. So now in him we have this new heart. Yes. When you do something wrong, what would you call it? Sin. <laughs> That's a good question. Though. All right, well, how, do, how does that all... How does that all... Absolutely. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay, so we, yeah, it's called sin. Sin is just meaning missing the mark. It means you have not, or I have not manifested the perfection of God in my thoughts or my words or my deeds. And so we in this weak earthen vessel, we have this treasure in weak earthen vessels. So we're not always manifesting the fullness of who we are in him because we work through the infirmity of this body, this flesh. We see in part because we're working through a brain. We prophesy in part because we're working through this body. So we see in part, prophesy in part. We manifest in part. We love in part. We give in part. If you were freed from this body, you would be as Christ himself in everything you thought, word, and deed, everything perfect with no hindrance. Which is why we walk by faith, which is why we have hope, hope that already has. Why do you yet hope for what you see? We have hope because we hope, we know what's inside of us. The treasure inside of us is growing and manifesting. Our mind is being renewed more and more. You know it in your life. You are more kind now than you were years ago when we didn't see this. You're more loving. You're more sensitive to people's needs around you than you ever were before in your life. 
Don't you see that? You're more, you're more giving than you ever have been in your life since you saw this. You're more uh, confident in God's faithfulness than you've ever been. Why? Because it's the real you that's coming out and living as the mind is renewed. The real you is being who you are. Paul had this experience where he said, I couldn't tell if I was in the body or out of the body. God showed me. He took me out of the body. I, I couldn't tell if I was really out of the body or in the body, but this, it was like I was out of the body and God showed me this. And now I'm, now that I'm back in the body, I can't even express it. That's, we're going to get a new body. Exactly. That's exactly right. The, that's right. The only thing that remains to be done, the only thing, like, like Clark said this morning, the only thing that remains is the redemption of the body. So the inward man is new, being renewed every day in this realm, this dimension in God, this kingdom, and the outer man is dying every day and, de- and de- decaying and getting older and dying. The body is dead because of sin, the scripture says, but the inward man is alive because of righteousness. So don't, don't pass by that too quickly now. Remember this. When you sin, or I sin, or we, we don't manifest perfectly who Christ is and who we are in Christ. It's not because of your heart. It's not. It's because of the flesh. It's the power of sin in the flesh. Paul says, sometimes Paul says, I desire to do the right thing, but then I find this other thing working against me it's the sin he said the sin in the flesh not in me he says not in me but not i but flesh the sin in the flesh warring against the real me on the inside isn't that isn't that awesome do you see yourself as having a new heart so you can't really see you can't really grow in this awesome awareness that he's really inside of me if you don't see that he made a new heart so he can inhabit we have become the dwelling place of God. Yes. See, God could not inhabit us without a new heart. He raised us from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he called into being that which did not exist before, a new creation. So we are a new person, a new heart where Christ dwells within. And so this growing awareness of this, it changes how you see yourself. It changes how you see other people. And when, when, when another brother or sister sins against you and they do something that's not Christ-like to you, it changes how you think about that because you don't think, man, they've got an evil heart. Why would they do that? No. We know no man after the flesh anymore, but after the Spirit. If they're born of Him and they're a new creation, it's, it takes the sting out of even the offenses that other brothers and sisters, because you go, you know, he's, he's just not thinking right. He doesn't know who he is. That's not the real him. He's not thinking right. He's, he's, he's allowing the flesh to dominate his life, and that's not who he is. And you can actually talk to that person and speak to him in, in, in faith and talk about, you know, brother, think about this, man, you... You said this, but, man, you, Christ is in you. Would, would Christ say those things? No. But that's not you. That's not the real you. There's a power of sin that, we're all, that we all have in our flesh. Allow God to show you who you are and show you, show, him who, show you who I am as a brother. And You know what I'm saying? It's powerful. Because then you, you see them no longer after the flesh but after the spirit. And they're either alive in Christ or they're not. And if they're not a born-again believer, then it is from their heart. It's coming right from the evil heart. And it's not just 
flesh, it's the whole person. It's the person is dead in sin, alienated from the life of God, darkened in their understanding of who Christ is, and they need to get born again. And even that person, you just have mercy for, almost pity, because they're blind. And you want them to see, and you want them to receive life. And, you know, even though their, their life is in shambles and all this stuff, you can say, yeah, but you know what? If you knew him, he could give you water to drink and you'd never thirst again. Isn't it cool? And it's so cool to see how God sees the world because God sees the world as already cleansed through his work. They merely have to receive it. That's the big revelation he gave Peter when he lowered the unclean animals down in the sheet. You know, we had a couple of messages on that years ago. What God has cleansed, no longer call unholy. So it changes the way you look at the unbeliever. It changes the way you look at believers who are acting carnal and fleshly because they just, they're just immature believers. They're carnal. They, have a, they're, they mind the things of men more than the things of God. They're, they're more earth-driven earth than heaven-driven or heaven-inspired, I like to say. Earth-driven as opposed to heaven-inspired. They need to grow. They need encouragement. And you have a whole new way of dealing with people, relationships. It's awesome. It's really freeing because you see as things really are. Okay, real quick, I just want to share this in, in Genesis about Jacob. Um, look at this thing. This is so cool. This is one of the clues that are hidden in Scripture about this awesome work that God has brought us into this new dimension. And Jacob, we talked about this a while back, but I just want to share it again and Jacob and Esau symbolized the, the spirit and the flesh, the natural and the spiritual. Esau was born first, first the natural, then the spiritual. Esau was born first. Jacob's holding on to the heel of Esau. So it was as if one child was born. They were twins. They're identical twins. See what God's painting a picture of? You know how we joke about, the, oh, I didn't do that. That must be my evil twin did that. That's where we get that. The evil twin is Esau. You know, because, because it's, it's like a picture of the old me and the new me. Okay, so here's Esau being born, and Jacob's holding on to his foot as one entity because he's connected by his hand. So God is teaching us this is really a picture of one person. Now, what happens is that when they're born, they're separated. Now, who, who is the father of Esau and Jacob? Who is the father of Esau and Jacob? Isaac. So Isaac gives birth to Esau, Jacob, and Isaac is the one that was brought with Abraham and was going to be put on the altar, offer up thy son, thy only son. Keep in mind when he said thy only son, why did he say only son? He had Ishmael. Ishmael is a son of the flesh. God does not recognize the flesh. He doesn't recognize your flesh either. He doesn't deal with you based on your flesh. He buried it, remember? Buried it. Take thy son, thy only son. Ishmael, I don't recognize. Thy only son, Isaac. And so here's Isaac. Now what, Isaac is the one that was on the altar, yet the substitution of the ram is a whole picture of Christ. God himself shall provide himself a sacrifice. So through the sacrifice of Isaac, what is God painting a picture of? Abraham, man of faith, through the picture of, the, of believing, entering into the death burial and resurrection of Christ, Isaac, then there's a separation of Esau and Jacob. You see it? That's why he's called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because hidden in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the revelation of the testimony of Christ. Hidden in there. Okay, so now here's Esau, here's Esau flesh, and here's Jacob. Now, this is what's so cool. 
Read the clues that he left there for us about how Jacob is to live. Because when he separates Esau and Jacob, Jacob takes off, afraid of Esau. We're afraid of our flesh. We're afraid of sin. We're afraid, you know, Jacob takes off. And how does God deal with Jacob? How does he talk to Jacob? How does he relate to Jacob? The way he relates to Jacob is the way he relates to you and me as a new son or daughter of God, a new creation. And the first thing you see, and I'm going by this real fast, and you can go back and look at these passages and ponder these things, but the first thing we see is Jacob saying in a dream, he's sleeping, he falls asleep on a rock, and he has a, a dream, and he said, and he said he saw a door open, and he saw a ladder from heaven to earth, and he saw angels ascending and descending on the ladder. We call it Jacob's ladder. It's the same thing Jesus referred to when Nathaniel was amazed that Jesus saw him under the fig tree, and he said, you are the Son of God. You're the one that was to come. And Jesus kind of smiled and said, because I say I saw you under the fig tree, you believe that I am the Son of God. Oh, Nathaniel, I tell you the truth. You'll see greater things than that. You'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Once again, he is the ladder. See? He is the ladder. And so here's, here's Jacob. First thing Jacob goes, Jacob goes, when he woke up, he says, he says, God is in this place, and I knew it not. He says, this is nothing less than the gate of heaven. This is nothing less than the house of God. You see it? You see that? The new creation must be first and foremost. The revelation must come. You're no longer of the flesh. Esau, God does not recognize. God's talking to you as a new creation. And the first thing the new creation really must get a hold of is that you have been moved through a door to another place. That this is the gate of heaven. That this is the house of God. What is the gate of heaven? Christ himself, the door. What is the house of God? Christ himself, the house. Who is the ladder? Christ himself. So in union with him, we live on earth, walk on earth, but we live from another place now. We literally, God is in this place and I knew it not. The believer needs to see that. Believers all over the world need to say, oh my God, God is inside of me. And I really didn't know it, know it. I heard it, you know, I had the scriptures on my refrigerator and I was trying to memorize, you know, Christ and me. But do I really know it? Do I sense the reality? Is it a growing awareness that where I go, the Lord himself is in me? See? That's why the shadows of Peter would heal the sick. They were so aware. They were so aware of this union. Silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have, we give to you. Awesome! This is, nothing can touch this. Nothing can touch this. Union has come. To live is Christ. To die is gain, we lose the body. To live is Christ. And then what else did Jacob do? Okay, so here's the first thing. We've got to see this union. We've got to see this revelation. We've been moved to another dimension. Second thing, the second thing that happens in Jacob's life is so cool because he, he, um, 
you know, was mistreated by Laban, and, and that's a long story. But just really quick, what happened there was that Laban cut a deal with him, and he said, okay, you can have the, the sheep and the cattle that have spots on them, and I'll take the others, because when he first looked at the cattle, there was only a few that had spots. So Laban thought, oh, this will be a good trick. I'll just, I'll give him just a few that have spots and stuff, and I'll take the rest. And then Jacob said, okay, leave it in God's hands. And then he had a dream, and the, an angel told Jacob to put sticks, get sticks, and those three kinds of trees speak of something, and take those sticks, and you peel off the bark. And when he peeled off the bark in little pieces, it left the white part of the, of the tree, of the meat, and it, it, was, it looked like stripes when he peeled the bark off. It was like bright white stripes. And the angel said in the dream, put these striped sticks in the water troughs so that when the sheep and the goats would go to feed and drink of the water, they would see, they would see something. And as they saw, they would mate next to the water troughs, the scripture says. They saw the stripes. And as they saw something, you see what God's saying about the new creation? How bounty happens, how multiplication happens, how fruit happens. Seeing something that's revealed while you're drinking and mating, intimacy, drinking, feeding, seeing, intimacy. And he had abundance, 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 abundance. You see it? It's so simple. It's awesome. So the dynamic of the new creation is to this, the one thing that's needful, Jesus said, to rest, drink, intimacy, see, watch what happens. And their offspring were striped. They gave birth to what they saw. They gave birth to what they were looking at. See, that's the whole thing of the new creation. That's why the enemy wants to keep you looking after the flesh. They said when they went to, to, when they went to the promised land, a land filled with milk and honey, a picture of abundant life in Christ, giants in the land, that's sin in the flesh. The giants in the land were, was sin in the flesh. God says, I've given you the land, a land filled with milk and honey. Go spy out the land and look at it. Ten, Twelve spies went. And two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, Caleb was from the tribe of Judah, and Joshua was, his name actually means Jesus. And so only Caleb and Joshua saw themselves through God's eyes. And they said, they are bread for us. They said, their protection is removed from them because God has given us the land. The other 10 spies said, we, you see it? We were as grasshoppers in their eyes, and therefore, the next line in, in book of Numbers, next line, we were as grasshoppers in their eyes, and therefore, we were as grasshoppers in our own sight also. See? Seeing! God has given us this land, a land filled with milk and honey. It's, it's, it's life and life abundance. Christ has done it. And it's just a matter of this revelation penetrating, this growing awareness of our union and this new dynamic of beholding and receiving. And the last thing that Jacob 
learns this last scene in his life. He goes full circle. He comes back to meet Esau across the river, you know. He comes back full circle to meet the flesh, Esau. And now he's still a little afraid of Esau. And this is a third big thing that, that the new creation must learn. And this is where we talk about Jacob wrestling with the angel and wrestling and struggling and and. This is when the famous thing happened, where the angel touched his, his thigh, the strongest part of a man, his thigh, and he touched it, and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. In fact, he blessed his sons with leaning on a staff, the scripture says in Hebrews. He leaning on a staff, he blessed his sons. So here's, here's Jacob, and what's the, what's, the, what's the final thing that has to happen here? In this scene... We see the angel is not really an angel. It's Christ. And he says this. He says, I have seen the face of God. Yes. He says, I've seen the face of God. And yet I'm not dead. I'm alive. And it's when he said that, I will not let you go until you bless me. He finally realized that the posture of the new man is a complete dependence on another complete dependence on another the hit the hip he walked with the limp god just takes no pleasure in the legs of a man he's leaning on christ and this is what happens god speaks to him and he says you will no longer be called jacob now, now see who you really are. Your name now is Israel. That's when he got the name change, Israel. So from that point on, he saw himself a prince with God and with men, authority with God and with men on earth, a son, a son. And he crossed the river and Esau was at peace with him. You see it? So look at that, saints. Look at those, those, that life of Jacob. It's for you. It's for me. Not a single law was given to Jacob to obey. Not a single commandment. Not a single word of judgment. Not a hint of any punishment. No behavior modification. No way. This is supernatural. An open heaven. A ladder. Seeing something and giving birth to this. A dynamic of beholding a revelation of God himself in his face, who he really is. That speaks of I know him now, his face, and knowing who I am now because he named me my true name. That is living in another dimension now. Lord, thank you so much. Help us to see these things. Blessed are Blessed are you, Lord. You've really moved us into this other realm. These are clues. These are treasures hidden in the scripture for us. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you, Lord, for the... How can we not be amazed at the wonder? How can these things be? How can these things be? The wonder... Oh, God.
Just like we sang this morning, the rainbow, the thunder, the lightning, the oceans, the mountains. Oh, God. Such mysteries. Great is the mystery of our godliness. Help us, Lord, see these things and live these things. And help us teach others that the body of Christ might be healed and strengthened. She might stand strong, clothed with the sun, standing on the moon, reflecting the light of God's glory on earth with crowns of stars and authority from another realm, partakers of the divine nature, eyes wide open. Light has come, for this world is passing away, and the darkness thereof, we are now light in the Lord. Light in the Lord. We once were darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Awesome. Awesome.